What's up, guys? Welcome to episode number four zero of the Joe Ciccarelli Show. Today's episode marks a uh, little bit of a change in the podcast. For those of you guys that have been following along for a while, episode uh, season one, I was kind of all over. Did some interviews, focused on um, a lot of rants, a lot of stuff, me talking about coaching and all that stuff. Season two has been heavy, heavy interviews. So primarily, people that I've just known, connected with, that I found interesting, that I thought you would find interesting. And as I've kind of gone through the season, I've learned. <laughs> Selfishly, this has been really great for me. I, t- I talk about this in the episode, surrounding myself with good people. You know, I record one or two of these a week. So I'm chatting with these people, connecting with them, learning from them, getting into their networks, getting referrals to other people to bring on the podcast. And on the side of that, I've been getting a lot more involved on LinkedIn, trying to drill down on my niche when it comes to coaching and some other aspirations I have. It really helps to have a niche. And so for those of you guys that have followed me, whether it's um, on Instagram, certainly a lot less on Instagram, but certainly more so on LinkedIn, really focused on sales, sales coaching. And as I further niche down, it's like helping new sales reps. I've been there um, starting out, figuring things out, figuring what to focus on, not getting overwhelmed, not getting too anxious and learning how to take a lot of the things that I learned in coaching and applying those to sales. So from this episode forward, I'm going to continue to do interviews, but I'm going to do them with people that are focused on sales. I want people that are interested in the things that I do and the content that I produce, the content that I produce on LinkedIn and other places to be able to come to my podcast, listen to me talk to people in sales that I also find interesting, but uh, we talk about life, we talk about them as a person, but then we also talk about sales and how people primarily people that are new into sales, how they can pick it up a little bit quicker and get ahead of the game. So that's a quick update on kind of the direction of where the podcast is going. The other thing that you'll see is I want to start doing some color comment commentary after the episode. So normally it's the end of an episode and a little bit of my catchy music, but uh, I'm going to come back in and talk a little bit about some of the learnings I took from the episodes. Uh, and I'm trying to keep it. This first one ran a little bit longer just because I really enjoyed talking to Larry so much, but trying to keep the the episodes moving forward to about 30 minutes or less. So there's a little bit of time at the end. So you're not stuck listening to an hour and a half podcast, which um, maybe some of you enjoy, but for those of you that don't have that sort of time, it's kind of, hey, quick intro, 20 five, 30 minutes of a discussion and then boom, right into here's what I took away from this and here's what you might want to think about. So kind of connected some of the dots from my perspective. I hope that helps. Hope that makes sense. Uh, and as I, as I think I said, it's been two and a half minutes of me ranting now. So I maybe forget where I started, but uh, today's episode is with uh, Larry Levine. And so a quick backstory to continue to pontificate about how great I am as a person. Um, I always built videos on Instagram. And so one day I built a video, I started, I said, Hey, I want to test out LinkedIn. Um, that might be a better platform, especially as I want to get into sales. And I built my first video in here. Uh, and I released it on LinkedIn on like a Thursday. And, uh, I was out of town that weekend and it, um, you know, I had a couple people share it, a couple people like it more so probably just off the bat that I do on Instagram. So immediately I was like, yeah, this seems to resonate more with this audience. And then I checked my LinkedIn on Saturday morning and um, I think it kind of taken off. And by, you know, about a week later, it had like 10,000 views and I don't know, 50 something comments and a bunch of likes. And so what that told me was like, okay, I'm probably better suited here. Now what I found out after in a conversation with someone, which is anecdotal, may or may not be true, is that um, maybe when you post your first video on LinkedIn, they make it, LinkedIn makes it goes viral to get you hooked. But uh, better or worse, I connected with, or there was someone that commented on it, 
Um, and I started following her and she started tagging a bunch of people in sales that she connected with. Larry was one of those people. So I connected with him, added him like clockwork. And it's interesting now that I've gotten to know him and read his book. It makes sense. Like clockwork, he reached out. How can I be of service? What can I do for you? So I said, Hey, well, I got a podcast, man. I'd love to have you on. Of course he was for it. So we have a conversation here. Um, I'm not going to talk much about the conversation, much about Larry's background because he does that in the episode. I am going to bring together some of my takeaways at the end. So stick around um, and listen for that. But in the meantime, enjoy this conversation with Larry Levine. Larry Levine, welcome to the Joe Ciccarelli Show. Joe, what's going on, man? I've been looking forward to this. I already, I, I got a sneaky feeling from all the all the stuff we've been talking about prior to recording this. Your listeners are in for a good time. I don't know where it's going to go, but we'll figure that one out. The joy of it, man, is just enjoy the process, right? See where we end up. <laughs> so what, why don't you give us a little bit of background? I know you and I chatted. I know you, but um, tell us about you. Tell us about your book and let's start there. Yeah. You know, uh, I always say, you know, it, it's interesting because a really close friend of mine uh, is like a mentor to him. He says, you really don't know somebody until you know their backstory. You know, because we always try to figure people out. Here's a quick backstory. I spent 28 years in in what I think is the most dysfunctional, broken, backwards sales channels around. I sold copiers my whole life in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. From early on in analog days, pre-digital, pre-internet, pre-everything, all the way through. And, you know, I make fun of it just because I can, because I, li- I lived in it for so long. It provided well for my family, but I learned a l- bunch of life lessons along the way. And, and as we, you know, as we go through the podcast, I'm sure we'll, we'll bring those out. But the aha moments is what I really want to key in on because at 50 years old, coming off of probably one of the best years I had ever had, I, be- I was fired from a high paying corporate job. That was my exit out of the copier channel after a very successful 28 year run. And I bring this up not to not to diminish my 28 years, but I really want to focus in on um, the aha moment. And I wouldn't be where I'm at if that moment didn't happen. Now, back, you know, six years ago when it happened, I felt like a pile of you know what. First time ever I got fired from a, a job. Not even when I was a kid, Joe. I was left on my on my own, got fired. No big deal, right? I mean, stuff happens. But it was right then and there that I said, you know what? I can go back to being a VP of sales somewhere and ride off into a very complacent, comfortable sunset, or I could choose to do something else. And through my loving wife and my very, very, very good friend who's on my podcast partner at Selling from the Heart, they both said, you need to go out and coach salespeople on what made you, you. And what made me, me was I brought raw, deep emotions to sales. I was willing to share who I was when most people would hide from who they are. I built deep, meaningful connections in a highly dysfunctional sales channel where nobody trusted anybody. But what made me different is I brought sincerity and substance, deep appreciation to the forefront. So when I got fired from a high paying corporate job, I said, you know what? I'm going to start pushing the envelope and pushing the gas pedal on what I believe is the keys to success for salespeople. It's the soft skills. It's how you connect. It's how you relate. It's how you build deep, meaningful relationships with people. Thus, Selling from the Heart was born. The podcast was born four years ago from scratch without a single listener. The book came out two and a half years ago. 
and it's been a whirlwind ever since. But um, I'm just a big believer that your buyers today, quite frankly, are sick and tired of being sick and tired. It's why they don't trust salespeople. And rightfully so, salespeople and sales management and leaders have done it to the marketplace. However, when you bring heart, sincerity, substance, appreciation, love, caring, respect to your clients, you get it back tenfold. That's what selling from the heart's all about. Mm. I love it, man. So you wrote the book. Uh, it's so funny listening to you explain that because I listened to the book on uh, Audible. So I really <laughs> feel like I'm almost re-listening to like the introduction of the book because it's the exact same voice. So, so that's that's awesome, man. No, yeah, you I, like, I, I, for a second there. I'm like, whoa. No, it's uh, you. You know what? Um, I really had no idea in bringing selling from the heart to the forefront what would happen. But just like before we started recording this, I'm just willing to talk about things that many people in sales think about, but are uncomfortable talking about. Mm. And I have no problem with it. Yeah, it's a good... I mean, talk to... I mean, how did you... So you're, I started out in the office supply space. Um, and then, uh, you know, I work with a lot of people in copier space, 28 years there. And then you wrote a book and I talked to you a little bit about this at the beginning. Like, I mean, I don't know, you hear like an author of a book and you think like, but you're just a normal dude. Like, how do you get from selling to this book sitting behind you on your thing? Like, what's, what's that like? You, you, you know what? Hey, what? <sighs> When life deals you blows, you got to figure out how to deal with it. Yeah. There's, there's no way. If I, if I rewind this all the way back, say, seven years ago. Now, Joe, you and I are having a conversation. Now, we're, we're going to go back, say this is like 2014-ish, mm-hmm. somewhere in that neighborhood. If yeah. you had asked me, hey, Larry, what do you think you're going to be doing springtime at 2021? <laughs> I will I'll tell you this. Right yeah. There's no way I would have said I have a selling from the heart podcast and I got a book that's transforming the sales world and I'm going to be leading a movement around authenticity in the sales world. Yeah. There's no way that would have come out of my mouth. No, never in a million years. But I, I'm a big believer things happen for a reason. Mm. Now, you know, I got sideswiped and got fired and, I, and I'll openly talk about it, right? I wasn't expecting it. I was a number two corporate sales guy on a corporate major account team in downtown LA calling into Why'd Fortune 1000 companies. Uh, long story, we won't even have enough time for it, but I'll just call it wrong place okay, at the okay, wrong cool. time, hanging out with the wrong crowd and, that's, and, yeah. and, and so forth. And you learn your life lessons along the way. You learn who to trust and who you can't trust yeah. in sales really quick, dude. Yeah. I didn't know that that would have been the most pivotal point in my entire career at 50 years old. Nothing like getting fired from a high paying corporate job at 50 and then have to come home and tell your wife, Hey, guess what? I just got fired. And, but I, I did a lot of soul searching and I cried like a baby. And, and again, I'm a highly emotional guy. I cried like a baby. We all, we all get dealt things. We all got to learn how to deal with it. 
you know, heck, look what we've all gone through over the past year and a few months together. Right. But, you, you know, I, I, I had a couple choices. I'm a big believer in this. Growth and comfort, they don't go hand in hand. Growth and comfort, they don't coexist. And the reason why I say this is when I got fired, it would have been easy for me the next day to pick up the phone, tap my network, go get a VP of sales job in the office office technology space, and just ride off into a lucrative, complacent sunset. But maybe that wasn't meant for me, and maybe somebody was telling me something. And it took, a, you know, like I said, it took my wife and my near and dear friend who's my podcast partner to say, hey, listen, you need to go out and share with the sales world what made you, you. And I just doubled down on myself. How many people are willing right now to double down on themselves and take a shot on themselves? And I was willing to do that. And I always say, you know what? At 50 years old, I was forced into entrepreneurship. Literally, I was forced into it. I didn't choose it. I was forced into it. Pardon me? Yeah. I said that's where it starts for a lot of people. Yeah. I mean... Yeah, because yeah, because here's here's what I see happen a lot of times. Um, entrepreneurship is like sales, man. It's just a freaking roller coaster. The highs are highs, the lows are lows. I mean, and everywhere in between. But a lot of people dip their toe in the water, Joe. They'll dip their toe in the water and they'll go, "Heck, man, this stuff's way too tough." Right? I'm going to go get me another job, and I'll and I'll just I'll have a side hustle around entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. I have this mental thing inside me that when I do something, I'm all in. And I just oh, dove all in. Wow. I put 50 pound weights on my ankles, dove into the big cesspool of entrepreneurship and had to figure it out. I'm still figuring it out to this day. I don't think there's there's a magic pill or the secret road path to entrepreneurship. However, I, th- I'm, I believe in my heart. I struck a chord with selling from the heart. It's, it's, it's hitting into areas in the sales world that not a lot of people want to talk about. But I'm delivering the message through a practitioner's eyes. And I'm highly, highly, highly connected to my message. Yeah. I mean, that's just – yeah, you can just see it talking to you. So l- let's talk about the message because – as I shared with you earlier, Larry, it was like, okay. And even if I'm a listener right now, I'm listening to you. I'm like, this guy's like, you know, he's from the heart. He's connected to his message. He's this. So I'm like, you know, this guy's going to make me feel really good in this book. And God, after the first chapter, I got my ass kicked. Um, and so talk about your approach. Yeah. You, you know, um, when I decided to write selling from the heart, I, it, it, I made a promise to myself I wasn't going to write a book just to write a book. Right. Now, I'd made a promise to my wife when we got married. I'm happily married now, almost 29 years. But I made a promise to her that I wanted to write a book by the time I was 50. Well, it took me a couple years later to write it. However, I remember saying to myself, to my wife, if I'm going to write this book, it better pack a punch or else it's just going to be another book. Right. Because I I know that the average, especially in the sales world, I know the average sales book in its lifetime doesn't sell past two, three hundred copies. I didn't know that. Yeah. And so the reason why I wrote Selling from the Heart the way I did is I look back on 28 years selling and there was not one 
time, and I mean not one time, that I was ever in a workshop, I was ever uh, trained by a manager, uh, where we ever said this, hey, you know what, Larry, and the team, we're going to spend the next week, we're going to spend the next two weeks, we're going to take deep dives into ourselves. I, along with my company and leadership, are going to help you become the best version of who you are. That never happened to me. Because I think what what happens is we're so product focused, we're so company focused, we're so solution service focused. We send salespeople on trainings around how to piece deals together and how to prospect effectively and how to overcome objections, all important stuff, not here to discredit it. But if we can all, and I'm a big believer, sales is tough, man. You got, you got to have some thick skin to sign up for the world of sales. Yeah. I agree. You know, and I write about it in selling from the heart. It's a full contact sport. You're going to get the snot kicked out of you and you're going to get knocked down and you got to come back up and you got to plow through it. So when I, when I wrote, wrote selling from the heart, how your authentic self sells you is all based on this first half of the book. You got to look yourself in the mirror and you got to self reflect and you got to become self aware of who you are. And you got to ask yourself the tough questions and do the tough work. Cause I'm a big believer that the inner work that you do on yourself the inner work fuels your outer success. The hardest work anybody will do in sales, quite frankly, in life is work on their heart. Yeah. And I get you to open up and reflect and think about who you are and what you bring to the table. And I ask you some tough questions. So give us, give, you know, I've read the book. I know there's an option to download uh, the journal, um, which you point people to, but a, a big thing, and I'm a big, I, I personally, I'm into my own, you know, meditation routines and I'm big into awareness. Talk a little bit about, um, you know, if I'm listening to this, like, how do I look at myself in the mirror a little differently and kind of hope, yeah. What, what does that look like from your perspective? I, I think the, you know, where, where it, where I learned this a long time ago is it's just how I was raised. Now I was it, just a backstory to answer this and I'll, I'll put a bow on it for everybody sure. is I grew up with a father who was a rocket scientist for the United States air force, literally a propeller head PhD in aeronautical physics from two Ivy league schools before the age of 21. Serious. And that's what I had to grow up with. And I had to grow up with, my dad traveled a lot. So my mom raised me and my two sisters. My mom's highly relational. And she overthought a lot of things, right? I call her, you know, she was a Jewish neurotic mom. She meddled and all that. Now that I see it, right, and, and, and so forth, it helped, my parents helped me mold me to who I am. But I learned a lot of this from how I was raised. I learned how to do certain things when I woke up in the morning. I learned how to do certain things throughout the day because I was held to those standards because my dad worked in the military. Mm. So I learned that when I woke up in the morning, I did certain things. And I, wore, I had daily routines and I had rituals that I had to do all before I went to school. I just kind of just molded those together and became my own coach. And I write about it in Selling from the Heart. I became my own coach because I never really had a sales manager that, in my opinion, ever gave a damn about me, truly gave a damn about me. Mm. So I had to hold myself accountable. And where, where it started was really looking inside of who I was 
and wake up every morning and ask myself, who am I? What am I grateful for? What am I going to be doing today? And I learned that the way I start every morning determines what happens throughout the day. And I just learned to capture that first hour of every morning. Just thinking, right? I don't overcomplicate anything. I don't bring like deep meditation or anything like that. It's just spending 15 minutes in complete silence and clearing your head when you wake up in the morning. Get a glass of water and just sit there and reflect. Yeah. And then, you know, and then I start writing things down. I love journaling. I love writing down my mission statements. I love writing down what I'm grateful for. I did it in sales and I do it today. Did just it's just it's just resonate? simple things. Did, did, did it take time for that to resonate? I feel like everyone knows that. And this is what I think maybe we're getting at. I'm not sure. But it's like anyone can write down what they're grateful for, but it, at least for most, it doesn't hit, right? Like it's like, yeah, it's great. Like I'm, I'm grateful that I have a family that loves me. Yes, that doesn't do anything for me. So is it what is it the repetition over time or it, what is it's, it? It's, <laughs> it's repetition, it's consistency, it's discipline, it's self-accountability, it's self-leadership. It's all those packaged into, into one thing. And I, I, I'm a big, big, big believer is, man, let's just, let's just face it. I'm going to throw it out there. If you can't lead yourself, you're never going to be able to lead your clients nor your marketplace into doing any better business. Now that's, you, some people might go, oh, Larry, that's a pretty bold statement, but guess what? Mirror never lies. My favorite statement is this mirror never lies, Joe, just the people who look into the mirror lie. True. And it's, what, it's just, we have to be consistent with this. Nothing happens overnight. I will tell you, I will tell you this. Um, I keep a notebook sitting right here every single day. I literally on paper, literally on paper, write everything down. I write my mission statement down, my values for the day, what I'm grateful for, things I'm anticipating, an inspirational message. I carry around three by five cards of I am statements that I read constantly throughout the day. Now that we're in the advent of technology, I got I am apps on my phone. I feed my mind with positivity seven days a week. And I've been doing it religiously seven days a week, year over year over year. And it's transformational. But I, I put a big but, capital B-U-T, behind this is a lot of people want the shortcuts and they want the keys to success. Guess what? The key to success is in every single one of us. It's how willing are you to double down on yourself and consistently see it through. I'm a long-term visionary guy. But I also have to marry it with short-term goals and short-term vision and medium-term goals and medium-term vision. You got to smash it all together. But there's certain things, and again, it goes back to how I was raised. I was raised with non-negotiable things I had to do growing up. Mm. I carried that mentality and how I was raised to sales. And I wasn't forced into sales. I chose sales. Hell, my dad was a rocket science scientist. There's no way I was going to walk in that dude's mm -hmm. footsteps. So I went completely polar opposite of you know things, and I got into sales. But I took how I was raised, and I, I I just you know a lot of times you hear about the one percenters. 
I wouldn't even class myself, classify myself as a one percenter. I just do the things that I was taught growing up and I hold myself accountable to do it. And I do it every single day with consistency. That's the difference, right? Because nothing you've just described is that hard to do once or twice or five times, but it's really hard to do for five years or for a year. And that's, that's the difference. I mean, I have tried so hard to find, not the easy way out, but like, there's this big thing that I always think about is like work smart versus work hard. And do some people just create activity to make themselves feel like, and so I, I've tried to be very aware of that. But at the end of the day, that's the difference, huh? Going the extra mile really is, that's the difference. It, it's that simple. <laughs> It, it, you know, it, it's, yeah, man. Hey, can I tell you a story? I think yeah. this just put, this just, do we got time for it? Are we good? Yeah, man. yeah roll. So um, this, this is, uh, you know, you learn things from the, from the wildest parts of your life, right? So I shared with your listeners a little bit about how I was raised. So very strict, right? Non-negotiable household. I mean, my parents loved my sisters and I and all that but they held us accountable to do things. So now I'm going to flip this around and, and cause you, t- you talked about the little things, the small things we've talked about it throughout this podcast. Right, right. So I'm going to take everyone back. This is about 30 some odd years ago. I'm dating my wife then at the time. Now my in-laws, my mother-in-law's from Mississippi. My father-in-law's from Oklahoma put their heads together and rub them together. You may get a sixth grade education, Mm. but that's just how they were raised. They were forced to leave school to provide for the family. It's how they were raised back then in the forties. So here we are. I'm dating my wife. She wasn't my wife, but you get what I'm, you get where I'm going with this. And everyone sensed that I was going to be asking that question her parents knew I was going to be asking that question. They knew it was getting serious. So we're all sitting at the dinner table one night and her mom, her mom, if any of, if any of your listeners know a deep Mississippi accent, it's tough. It's tough on the ears. And still to this day, she calls me, she calls me boy, B O Y. She'll say boy. She knows my name's Larry Joe, but she still calls me boy. She goes, Boy, I know it's getting serious. This is the end of the accent. So now it's just my voice. She goes, boy, I know it's getting serious. I know sooner or later, and it's going to be sooner rather than later, you're going to ask that question. So I think it's time for me to share some wisdom that was passed on from my parents through my sisters and my brothers. I've passed it on to my son and my daughter, and I get a kick under the table from my wife. She knew what was going to happen. She whispers in my ear. She goes, just listen and just let it go. My mother-in-law goes, boy, don't ever half-ass your career. Do it 100%. Because if you can't do the little things right, you'll never be able to do the big things right. Yeah. That, that stuck that in my head. You're right, it was. And that stuck yeah. in my head. And my in-laws, they're still alive. I love them to this day. They're simple people. 
They didn't grow up with, you know, the silver and gold spoons in their mouth. They worked their ass off for everything they got. Mm -hmm. How I was raised and that message right before I married my wife stuck out throughout my whole, and I was barely into my career at that time. The point behind this, Joe, for all the listeners out there, is if you can't do the little things, the small things with consistency every single day, and if you can't commit to that, you'll never be able to do the big things that will help you become even more successful in sales. Why am I saying this? We chase the silver bullet. We want the shiny things to success. We want to earn all this gobs of money with minimal amount of work. Well, guess what? The only person you're fooling is yourself. Because sooner or later, if you can't do the little things, if you half-ass your career, you're going to get exposed for who you are. And I openly write about it in Selling from the Heart, and I call them empty suits. Yep. Empty suits, man. I, I remember that. I mean, it, it is so true. So let me ask you this then. Um, and I guess the initial question is like, you know, obviously, and I talk about this in your book, you know, you have, sometimes you work a Saturday, sometimes you work uh, this or that. How do you balance that with work-life balance in terms of, um, you know, you want to give the same level of support to your family and your friends. How do you balance the act without just, I mean, you could work a hundred hours a week to take care of your clients. How do you manage that? Boys, this, this, this might be a Dr. Phil moment. I may have to lay on the virtual couch on this one, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what? That's tough. Yeah. And is. still to this day, now my kids are grown and, you know, they're out of the house and they have their lives. But um, to me, that's the single hardest thing that personally I've had to deal with. And I've dealt with a lot of stuff in my lifetime, but work-life balance, that's a tough one because I have a hard time shutting off. I literally have a hard time shutting off. If you, if, if you have my wife on this podcast right now, and if you had my podcast partner, who's my business partner on this podcast right now, and if you ask them what's Larry's biggest weakness, what I just said, they will say. I have a hard time shutting off. I don't consider myself a workaholic. I just love what I do. Yeah, yeah. I absolutely love what I do. And I do it seven days a week. Though on Saturday and Sunday, I I mean, I do it at the wee hours of the morning. And I I still disconnect. There's times that I disconnect from social. I don't pick up my phone. I don't do anything. But I actually love what I do. And when you love what you do, it's not really work. Does any of that hit home? Yeah, this, yeah, yeah. A, a lot of it does. Because um, I agree, you know, like it's when you start to find, and I'm kind of getting to that point where it's like, you know, my, my wife comes in at six o'clock. Hey, it's time for dinner. And I'm like, eh. I'm not like, God, I have to work more. It's like, Hey, no, I, I want to work more. Um, and so, yeah, it does. It's, it's an interesting, um, 
Yeah, I, I don't know if there's an answer. I, that's why I wanted your opinion because I can see that a lot of what I see, and I, you know, I see that myself, and I'm sure a lot of successful people, man, like you know, you it, like we said, if the secret to success is being consistent, and working hard, <laughs> the the alternative to that is not working hard, and, and that's that's the that's the piece. I mean, I've seen, you know, you know what, dude, I'm I'm not saying, you know work your freaking ass off until, you know, I, I'm not here to say you work 90 hours a week and you blast it all over social that you're a workaholic and you grit and grind and all that. I'm not saying that. Yeah. But, you know, bring some excitement to what you do. Enjoy what you do. And when you enjoy what you do, it completely changes your mindset. You know, I, I, I mean, I love to disconnect. I love the work-life balance, though, you know, it may not be teetering on balance, but I do enjoy disconnecting. However, however, I love, love, love working with sales leaders and sales teams and coaching. That lights my fire. And if that means hopping on a call on a Sunday at eight o'clock in the morning with a leader who needs to speak with me, guess what? I'm going to ask first, but I'm going to do it. I'm not going to say, no, sorry, Joe. I know you really want to talk to me, but can this wait? I mean, I'll create some boundaries, but you know what? It's what makes me me. And it's what makes you, you. That's So I guess to sum it up, I'm not the yeah. I'm not the yeah. the expert on work life balance because I think I've blown the doors off of work life balance. Yeah. No, I mean it's in. There's no right answer. You know, I just wanted to get your get your thoughts on it. I mean, so then here's the other side to this. Um, you know, you love what you do. It's easy to work for me. I, I really enjoy what I do. But there were certain times in my career where I didn't. I was early on in sales, get my ass kicked. What's your <laughs> advice? to that new guy or gal who's, I don't know, in their early mid twenties, they're kind of banging their way through their first sales job. They get a quota hanging over their head, forecasting call coming up next week. Um, how do they start to, and I think the, 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 the easy answer is rituals and daily and that, but like, what else? What do you say to that? I, I'm going to, you know, I'm, I'm asked this, yeah, I'm asked this question a lot and I'm, I'm going to get, I'm, I don't sway from my answer. None whatsoever is this, I wish that, see, I found, I found mentorship and coaching later on in my life, like well into my forties. So just been 15, 16, 17 years ago. And it completely changed my life, completely changed my life. I got to see things that, that I wasn't aware that I was doing and so forth. So what I always tell young up and coming salespeople, continue to do what you're doing, right? However, mm-hmm. go seek out coaches and mentors, life coaches, sales coaches, business coaches, put together a group of mentors. I write about it in Selling From the Heart. I call it personal board of directors. Yep. It will completely transform your life. I wish I, I wish I wish somebody would have told me that when I was in my early 20s. I didn't figure it out until I was 40, 41 years old. Yeah. The power of a close inner circle, the power of mentorship, the power of hiring a coach. 
And I have them still to this day. I just invested in another one. It brings clarity in it. In it, in it, in it, it re, you know, I always say, I was, I was actually, somebody said, you shouldn't really be saying this, Larry. I go, I love surrounding myself with people way smarter than me. And this person says, stop saying that. Say you surround yourself with people more experienced than you are in life. And that's what I would share with the younger salespeople of today. Surround yourself and be really, really careful who you bring into your inner circle. Bring some coaches and some mentors that have been there, done that. May not necessarily be the same age as you. Think about that. Yeah. How it's I, uh, it, it's it's a it's a I promise you this it's a game changer. And I'm just going to jump on that because um, I saw I, it's a big part of that. The first thing that popped in my mind when you're talking about that is like make sure you're climbing the right tree. And for me, um, in my you know I think I saw a life coach in my mid to late 20s when I first went and saw, and I was jacked up, motivated, same person I am today. But um, it, you, you start to work on other things, and you realize for me it was I, I was climbing the wrong tree. I was I was working on the wrong stuff. In that perspective, the why you talk a lot about the why in your book. Uh, yeah, you're, you're, that's what I liked a lot about your book is there's some great, like, and that's what I said. I, I, it was the critique was there was too many good sales nuggets. I, I got to do this. I got to do, it's like, how am I going to fit all this in my sales process? That was fantastic. But there was a real co- coaching component to that too, of like, what's your why, man? Like, what are you doing? Why are you doing it? And, um, people don't get it until they get it. And once you get it, you realize you wish you got it sooner. If that makes sense. So true, so freaking true. I I mean, I I look, you know, I I started my sales career, what, the tail end of 87, so I was 23 years old. It took me 17 and a half years in sales. And I had massively great years, but it took me 17 and a half years to figure out the power of coaching. And what coaching can do. I tell you this right now, if it wasn't for my very first coach I hired, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. I can tell you that right now. Hands down would not be where I'm at today. Yeah, there's no doubt. But there's like the stipulation and it's cool that this kind of, because that's my background, outside of my background is the coaching. And it's, there's almost a stipulation like, oh, life coach, what the hell's wrong with you? You know, and uh that's got to go because there's a good coach. I, I agree. I would not be where I'm at today if it wasn't for seeing a coach. Genuinely. I've I, seen I, a therapist I, too. But it's I've, I've seen a I've, dude. Boy, I mean, I've laid on many couches and I've cried with many of them as well, right? So, I, I mean. I've cried with the very best of them. <laughs> but uh, but, but here's, here's, what's, here's what's interesting about coaches and mentors who are more experienced, been there, done that, and things like that. They're able, they're able to see things through another set of lenses that you're not seeing things through. Yeah. And it's not to say to point out negativities and say, hey, you know what? Hey, Joe, you're doing all these things wrong. It's not what I'm here to say. It's to help you uncover the roadblocks and some of the detours that you've been taking to help you become even better than you're at right now. That's how I view them. I have coaches in my life right now. I have mentors in my life. I have close personal board of directors in my life, and I have a close inner circle. And I will tell you this, 
I'm really quick to pull the string on people. If I smell something just not right, I detach immediately. Because mm. I'm a big believer you are who you hang out with. Yeah. That just comes up in every conversation around self-development. Any person that's been successful, it's the same thing. Who you surround yourself with. That's why I do the podcast. I'm surrounded by you right now versus whatever. You know, I mean, that's it's a, a perk for me. Well, yeah. I mean, just just think about it. You know, going back to this whole misery loves company stuff. Let's just think of it from a sales angle for a moment because I've been in some really miserable, dysfunctional sales bullpens. Mm-hmm. That whole thing holds true. It, it's, it's why a long time ago, I loved starting to work remote. I hated latter part of my career sitting in dysfunctional sales bullpens, hearing salespeople commiserate with one another about everything they hate about their job and their life, right? I go, I don't want to get sucked into that crap. So I detached right. immediately. Not that I wasn't friendly. I just didn't want to be around people that just suck up all my motivation and inspiration for doing what I do. That'd be the best thing I could offer anybody. Yeah. It's no doubt, man. Dude, now I'm all charged up, dude. Um, yeah, I know. I know. I'm like, where do we go from here? I mean, I could talk to you for hours, man. Um, but <laughs> I mean. Hey, we may, we may, we may have to do part two to this, Joe. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like to do that. Um, I guess for people that like what they've heard today so far and don't want to wait for part two, they can go on your website. They can, I mean, you're super, I, I'll tell you what, man, you know, I've learned a lot and I would recommend if anyone's interested in, I want to talk to you about today, maybe this is part two, but, um, you give great advice on how to build your brand online in your book, social media, particularly LinkedIn. And I see you live it every day. I, I've learned a lot from you on how to develop content on LinkedIn, how to's. Um, so if you're, and I think a lot of people that are younger and getting in the game have a lot of questions around that. So I, I think there's that, um, follow you on LinkedIn, but I'll, 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 I'll let you answer that question. How do people get in touch with you, man? Uh, you can go to selling from the Mm-hmm. And you can learn all about the movement that um, is being created around authenticity in the sales world. Uh, if you want to find out anything about the book, you can also find it at sellingfromtheheart.net forward slash book. Or you can find the book on Amazon, any any podcast channel you're going to find Selling from the Heart. Um, if you want f- any kind of free resources, text your way. Just text the word heart, H-E-A-R-T, to 21,000, and you get access to a bunch of free resources immediately. If you want to join a community of like-minded people, you can check out the Selling from the Heart Insiders Club as well. But, you know, there's one last thing that I do want to bring up is, um, yeah, you know, we live in this digitally driven, socially connected, mobily empowered world. We all live our lives through a window, it seems like. All I would ask people is this. If you're going to if you're going to position yourself on social, if you're going to engage in social, just don't be an empty suit. Walk, talk and breathe like a normal freaking human being engage, humanize who you are. 
too many people leverage social and it's fantasy island. Now I'm dating myself a little bit. No one ever taught me social. There wasn't social selling pundits and gurus and experts when I started figuring out social. I just said, hey, you know what? This is a so, this is a conversation platform, an engagement platform, but I'm going to position myself as a as a professional. I'm going to carry myself as a professional, and I live by three E's. It's educate, engage, and excite the hell out of people into conversations. And I'm going to give them something to think about, and I'm going to serve it up every single day because I know deep down inside my heart, the hardest thing for salespeople to do is to open up conversations with people. If you can't open up conversations with people, it's going to be tough to sell. It's really going to be tough to sell. Now stop and think about that one, and I'll leave everybody with this. And I believe this wholeheartedly, Joe, that your clients, your prospects, your marketplace, They'd rather do business and connect with a sales professional who sells from the heart as opposed to a sales rep who's an empty suit. Think about that one for a second. I love it, man. What a great time, dude. I enjoyed this. Thank you, man. All right. Welcome back. I hope you guys enjoyed that episode. I certainly did. It's been cool now that I'm doing these uh, sales-focused shorter episodes. And again, this one ran a little bit longer than they will moving forward. Uh, to go back, I normally do listen to my podcast afterwards, but not to the same extent that I do now. I've kind of gone through this one, and I will in the other ones moving forward, and actually with a note card as I, as I listen through it and take notes, and then I kind of button it up into some specific takeaways that I can share with you guys. And so that's great because I get to... Uh, one, have these takeaways and take the time to listen and reinforce some of the learning. I mean, the people I bring on here, are people that I really admire, and Larry's one of them. And so someone that I can admire and learn from uh, and interview them and then listen to myself interviewing them. Uh, interviewing is a skill and one of the things that you need to, that I need to get better at. And I think we all can when we, um, any sort of conversation is kind of letting go of the outcome and just focusing on being present. That's hard to do. So sometimes when you're doing these interviews, you're so focused on uh, what am I going to say next or how do I say this or how do I say that and less on what the person's saying. And I'm, I'm certainly getting better at that, but um, it's another advantage of listening to these podcasts as ways to get better at delivering podcasts for you and um, to make sure that they get, that you get the biggest bang for your buck. Cause that's your time is money, right? Uh, Larry's a great guy. And that's the biggest takeaway from this. He talks about selling from the heart. He has a book selling from the heart. He has a podcast selling from the heart, but you can kind of feel it when you're talking to him, right? I mean, the guy just lays it all out there. One of the points that he really had that resonated with me was, and this is in his book too, is the mirror doesn't lie. And it's true. You can make up whatever goddamn story you want, but eventually you have to look in the mirror. And when you look in the mirror, what 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 comes out? Um, are you doing the best you can with what you have? Where could you be doing better? Or where are you maybe maybe being too hard on yourself? And I think that's a big thing. So often it's be better, be better, be better. But really it's, be okay with where you're at um, and determine what that looks like. So I thought that was really cool. Um, and that just comes in throughout the episode, the book, and Larry as a person. Uh, not every person I bring on here has written a book and not all the books I've read. This one I did. So it's easier to kind of bring some extra oomph as it relates to that as well and really get the message across. So two main takeaways for me um, kind of that I grouped a bunch of different points to. And the first one is consistency. I... 
interview uh, a lot of people. So at this stage, now that I'm actually releasing this episode, I've interviewed um, seven or eight different people, which is a lot. I mean, under this new format here. So this takes into account all the other people that I've, I've already released and that you've listened to. And if I take into account all these people that are successful in sales and all these people that are successful in all these other areas of life, and that's the one thing you could say, not all the people that I interviewed are famous, not all of them have done whatever, but they've all been successful in one, at least one area of life, many of them multiple areas of life. And one thing, it's like a um, theory that I've tried to disprove in my theory, or that I've tried to prove, my theory is that um, you don't need to kill yourself, kill yourself isn't a good word, you don't need to work really, really, really hard, you just need to be really smart and think positive. So I kind of went into the season like, that's my theory. Let me, let's see if I can prove it to be true. And in fact, I've done the opposite. Every successful person I've talked to talks about the importance of consistency. Uh, I direct you, if you want to read about consistency in a way that resonates and makes sense, read Atomic Habits by James Clear. Uh, that set me straight um, in <laughs> 12 or 15 conversations I've had with successful people reinforce that point that at the end of the day, Whatever you, nothing we do is that difficult. It's simple. Um, Habits are simple. The things we need to do to be successful are simple. Doing them continuously, consistently over a long period of time is really, really hard. And that's what separates successful people from not successful people. So the key would be identifying a couple habits you can do early on in your sales career, early on in anything you're trying to do. And just stick to them. And that's been certainly my struggle for so long is, is, um, or things that have made success a lot harder on me than it had to is the idea of, okay, I'm going to do this and I do it for two weeks. I don't see results. I'm going to go to this. I'm going to try this. I'm going to try. And for someone who's, I think like many people that are taking the time to listen to this, you're really into self-development. You want to optimize. You want to be the best version of yourself. So it's really hard to do that. Um, it, it would say it's, it's not really hard to do that, but it, it, it makes the consistency thing hard because you're constantly looking for the next thing that's going to get you to the next level. And what really is going to get you to the next level is doing just a couple things consistently over a long period of time. Larry talks about capturing the first hour of each day. I think that's brilliant and it's true. And it doesn't need to be five to 6 a.m. For me it is, but it doesn't need to be for you. And it's not from, it's not for me every day. For certain days it is. Other days I do sleep in certainly a little bit more. Um, but one another point, there were a couple, you know, little nuggets that kind of made me think. And uh, another one was if you can't do the small things, how can you expect to do the big things? If you can't, do the minutia part of your job right? How do you expect to be a leader in your company or in your organization? If you can't do the things you need to do to get a small sale, to get a small thing going in direction, how are you going to get the big stuff going in direction? And it's true because we all want the big things. We think about the big things, but yet we don't do the small things right. So consistency is a massive um, component of it. And uh, you'll see that. Hopefully you've already seen that and you will see that. And so let me save you the time. Um, I think The Secret's a great book. Reality Transurfing is a life-changing book because the way we think about things is so important. The way that we frame things in our mind is so important and we have control over that. Uh, But we still got to deliver. We still got to do the work. We still got to get up every day and we still got to deliver on our habits consistently and that's really what's going to take things to the next level for us. Second one's coaching. Coaching comes up a lot and it's like a taboo for me because it's like, I don't want to talk too much about coaching because people are going to think I'm trying to sell them coaching. But 
when you start looking at successful people, it's funny, I got an email forwarded to me this morning from Jeff Gherkin. Um, and for those of you guys that don't know Jeff, he's a colleague and a good friend of mine and a mentor. You can look at one of the episodes he did. And I got an email from him this morning. Um, I'm looking at my email now. I must have deleted it. But um, it was just the importance of coaching in your career. Larry talks about, the, I point blank asked him, if you're new into sales, what do you do? Um, coaching and mentors. Now, Coaching is an investment in most cases, even for myself. You know, if you want to hire me as a coach, it, it certainly costs money. Uh, and there's ways to work with people, there's ways to do things. One of the things that I'm interested in the future is how do I find out really what the issues are so I can distill those down in a way that I can create products that aren't expensive, that don't, you don't need to pay for an hour of my time. You pay for a course and you get what most people might get in three months um, in an hour of a course. And it costs a fraction of the price. So I, maybe that's down the roadmap for me. Um, not maybe, certainly, but in the meantime, uh, coaching really does help. And I think in this episode, you've certainly heard it. You'll hear it about it in other episodes, but it's, it's another perspective. And so I've talked a little bit just quickly here as a good example myself. I'm trying to work on how I can be build better online. Um, I joined a group this year, and uh, I love the idea of coaching, but for me, long-term, coaching isn't where... Um, I want to be one. I enjoy my current day job. And so the ability to kind of build a product on the side that really helps people that doesn't require a lot of my time is really interesting. Um, and it is so hard to do because a big part of it is really niching down. I mean, even saying new sales reps, um, and I work with new sales reps to help them become more comfortable in their job, deal with anxiety, um, you know, become more self-aware so that they can be a better version of themselves and take on the skills they need to take on. That's not niche enough. It's really not. It's not niche enough to really develop um, an audience and a product around. And so as I'm really focusing and getting a lot of pressure in a good way from this group to really, really niche down, um, I went out and hired a coach. I hired one of the guys that owns the group and I paid him. And it's, <laughs> I'll tell you what, it was 300 and something dollars for 30 minutes of his time. And it's funny, people hear that and they're like, I can't believe you paid that, that's so stupid. And if you're one of those people then that, that just said that now, that listen to that, I can't believe you paid, then you probably don't get it. And what you don't get is part of coaching and part of mentorship, and I'll talk about mentorship in a second, is really getting, um, is getting, uh, that other person's knowledge. And that's a big part of it. And that's partly what I'm paying for. This guy is just, he, if I look at myself and where I want to be in a year or two years, I look at him and this is what I want to do. And he's, he's got it down. He's linked, he's succinct. So if I can spend 300 and something dollars, which um, I'm in a position in my life where it's, that's not chump change by any stretch of the imagination, but you know, it's also not, we're still going to make rent this month um, in our mortgage next month. Cause we're supposed to be moving into our house next month, which, which is exciting. Um, Get, getting the $300 of that, right, and getting his feedback and getting his experience and then applying, number one, that consistency to that, I will look back in a year from now and say that was the greatest $300 I've ever spent and maybe I'll spend it again because, one, I'm getting the experience, but what I'm also getting for out of him, and this is a big part of coaching that doesn't require experience, it's getting out of your own head, it's amazing when I coach people and I talk to them and I look at them and I see the potential. I'm like, you could literally do X, Y, and Z and we don't see it because we are constantly berating ourselves in our own mind. And I don't care if you're a new sales rep. I don't care if you're a CEO of a company or a former CEO. We are all in our own heads. I see it. I have friends now. I've been fortunate to create friends in a network that are um, 
really successful people, millionaires that have sold businesses and have done really well. And I still talk to them and I still see to an extent like, God, they're playing it small. They're holding themselves back. Um, and we don't even see it. And so as a young person, the ability for someone to open up those doors for you, for me, is worth every penny. Now, when I was in my early and mid-20s and I wanted to go out drinking, would I probably paid for a coach? No. Would I have probably said, God, I'm crazy? Yeah. But if I didn't do that and I did see a coach then, because I was still motivated, I was still into self-development, I wasn't a total jerk off. But if I did do that now, I have to wonder where I'd be today. And I think I'd be a lot further along. Not that I... You know, again, you can't beat yourself up for where you're at, but I, I like to think that if I invested in myself earlier on, um, like I do now, and I'll think that when I'm in 10 years from now, I'll look back and say, even for me, spending $300 is kind of like, oh man, that's a lot of money um, for 30 minutes, but I get something. And I bet in t- 10 years, I'll look back and say, God, I should have spent three grand and spent it sooner. Um, but what you have to have with that, and it's funny because I talk to my wife, Nat, about this a lot because she's... She, kind of holds me accountable in the sense that, God, you can't, you know, you got to become a certified coach. At some point, you got to start earning money in a sense and not, not directly. If it, if your thing is you want to continue to just invest in your self-development your whole life and not reap, you know, um, specific benefits from that, specific dollar values from that, then I think that's cool. Um, but just know that going into it and be very clear about that going into it. And that's, um, that's kind of the discussion that, that she and I have a lot. And so I think the, the piece that you need to have with this coaching, and that's why I talked about coaching second, is the consistency. So if you don't have general, and this could be something you go see a coach about too, but if you don't have the ability to implement something, if you don't have the, or the willingness to really dive into something and work on consistency and do something over a period of time, Depending on where you're at, coaching may or may not be useful. I mean, if you're not, and it really comes down to if you're not willing to change, right? I mean, you're never going to just one day be the perfect, I never miss a day, but you need to constantly be pushing towards getting to a point where you're bringing better habits in and losing better habits. And when you look at, um, it's interesting, I'm (laughs) with all my free time, uh, but I I do listen to a lot of podcasts and I'm diving into one now that's big on uh, the science of how our brains change. And a big part of our brain changing, uh, neuroplasticity is what it's called, is Less is just as much you can create new neurons in your mind, which is basically new thoughts, behaviors, and habits. But at a certain age, after about 25, our brain can't bring in any new neurons um, unless we get rid of some. So it's just as much about getting rid of the bad behaviors that you don't want anymore and bringing the new ones in. And that's a big part of the consistency component, and that's where coaching can help. But also coaching can be... um, significantly more impactful when you have that baseline already. And that's really what I'm looking forward to uh, about meeting this next guy, uh, about my particular coaching. So um, that's kind of my takeaways on this, guys. Another quick little star I had on the bottom is just loving what you do. I always talk to people about work-life balance, and we have a really, really candid conversation about that. I don't, you know, I'm sure you've already listened to. And I think uh, it's a tough one, really, because the more you do talk to successful people, is it's, it's, um, they love what they do. And um, there's a lot of different ways to love what you do and do what you do. But the ideas of, in my opinion, the days of just shutting things down, working, you know, X hours and that's the end of it. I don't think that's, 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 um, that's the future. And I, I don't think it should be um, for individuals or for companies. I think, um, like for me personally, my company's based on the West Coast. So there'll be some mornings where um, I get to, 
you know, I, I get a slow start to work, right? I might not check in till 9, 9, 30, 10, but there's some days where I'm on a call till 7, 7.30 at night. Um, and that's just the way it is. Some nights I'm late for dinner and my wife, Nat, understands that. Um, and some days we can go for a walk in the morning and get a coffee. And that's the way it should be. And so I think um, when you love what you do, working extra isn't always a bad thing. Um, but uh, certainly want to be in control of that and be intentional about it. So. I hope this is helpful, guys. This I'm kind of talking through. I've been going here for about 15 minutes, and it's enjoyable for me. I did a lot of rants in my first season, and I uh, kind of got away from it, and I want to bring a different approach to it. But I do enjoy kind of just kind of spitting out some uh, action. I hope this is useful. If you're someone who's thinking about coaching, um, particu- particularly, um, and I, I, I work with any folks, although I need to niche down. It's hard to niche down because when you niche down, you, 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 you're in a sense telling a bunch of people no and certain people yes. But if you're someone who's um, new into sales and you're someone who's figuring it out, but you're feeling like you're kind of all over the place and you're not really sure where you want to uh, what you need to do to get the biggest bang for your buck. You see people that are way ahead of you in the game and you're like, how do I get there? Um, and then you hear the bullshit training from your manager, which isn't BS, but, but it doesn't get to the points that you're really personally struggling with or you really think you can do better with. Give me a shout. Uh, let's have a conversation. We could try and work something out, see if it makes sense. Um, and if there's other of you that aren't in sales and you're like, this guy's cool. I like what he's all about. And I think I can do better and I want to talk to him. Give me a shout and we can talk about it. Hope you guys have a great day. Thanks for your time. Thanks for listening. And uh, look forward to kind of, I look forward to you guys hearing a little bit more from me moving forward.